Welcome to Service Headline News. I'm your host, Marty Smith, and I'm joined by Jake Wall. What's going on, Marty? And we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and have a laugh as the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. For all of you listening who are Eric Perot fans, he is once again absent doing some field testing for us here at the Service Headline News headquarters. Uh, and hopefully he'll be back with the results of his field testing next week and uh, we'll explain later what he's field testing so jake how are you man i'm doing good marty good to hear from you yeah it's good to hear from you and be back doing the stories that are pertinent you like that pertinent to all servicemen and women yeah yeah yeah. i wrote that a long time ago and i just never have changed it yeah that works yeah i uh i don't know what it Eric's testing, but I have not received any chafing pictures. <laughs> so it might be I'm a little more. It's going good. Covert. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's covert. Sometimes he goes and tests things that are, you know, still in development. Uh, so there's some up uh, the sleeve or up the pant leg or something like that. <laughs> Could be. I've, I've heard he hasn't stepped foot in the bathroom this whole trip. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> maybe doubtful but maybe or a uti either way <laughs> he's having a good time 20 years ago on the 19th does that ring a bell jake march 19th 2003 <laughs> what are you bringing eric you guys does that ring anything it should 1842 at uh <laughs> About 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I love when he does that. It's like, well, it was either it was either Lincoln's assassination or the first printing press. Which one was it? Uh, I'm leaning towards the release of the Marigold stamp, but I don't know. Marigold stamp. I don't know. <laughs> stuff out. 20 years ago, on March 19th, 2003, the war in Iraq started with the air campaign. Where were you? Oh, we were on the floor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had practiced for weeks up before that, right? And then realized we couldn't see it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. What unfolded next was dozens of airstrikes across Iraq, targeting early warning sites and Iraqi leadership, meant to pave the way for the ground invasion that launched on March twentieth. The air campaign on the 19th saw the United States and its allies quickly succeed in one goal and fail at its second. Oh, and this uh, story is from taskandpurpose.com. The first goal was the mission to take out many of Iraq's early warning systems to provide cover and confusion for the ground operation that followed. The second mission was to take out Iraq's leadership in a series of decapitation strikes. That sounds badass, doesn't it? That's always a great name for a punk yeah. rock band, isn't it? Decapitation Strike. Hey, I'm going to see Decapitation Strike yeah. at the uh, <laughs> at Fiddler's Green. Many of these figures would end up on the infamous deck of cards. Ah, I would give money if I could get one of those deck of cards. You remember those death cards that they had? Uh, that that would be kind of a fun thing to get. Yeah, <laughs> I'm that sure would somebody be somebody a right? cool thing to get your hands on. I'm sure somebody's selling them for like 500 bucks on eBay or something like that. 
The yeah. strikes the strikes were changed to focus on Hussein himself and his two sons, Uday and Kusay, who were said to be visiting the Al-Dura Farms complex at the time. The bunker buster bombs and cruise missiles hit the area and caused casualties, but the Husseins were not present. At the time of the invasion, the Bush administration repeatedly said that the justification to go after Hussein was his possession and development of weapons of mass destruction and his ties to al-Qaeda, both of which turned out to be false in subsequent Pentagon reports. The initial targeted strikes wrapped up on March 21st, followed quickly by a wider air campaign that involved more than 1,500 airstrikes, part of a shock and awe strategy to not only take out Iraqi targets, but discourage Iraqi forces from fighting back. I, you know, the, back in 90, you know, I didn't go to yeah. uh, Desert Shield or Desert Storm, but I talked to some guys who did. And that air campaign was so, it was like a month, I think. It was super long. And it was so much that even where they were sleeping in like Kuwait and stuff, uh, they could, you know, you could still feel the ground rocking. And after, uh, I remember a, a buddy of mine said, after a while, he kind of felt bad for the Iraqis because we were bombing so much. It was crazy. Yeah. The March 19th air campaign was the opening salvo of the years-long war, which by the time the United States withdrew troops in 2011, killed 4,923 American and Allied troops, more than 30,000 Iraqi fighters, and by conservative estimates, hundreds of thousands of civilians. So that kind of sucks. Mm. Uh on March 20th, coalition forces crossed over the Iraqi border, launching a ground offensive. Baghdad fell on April 5th. Bush would give his mission accomplished speech on May 1st, claiming that, quote, major combat operations in Iraq have ended, end quote. Although senior Iraqi officials remained unaccounted for and a long and deadly Iraqi insurgency was beginning, Uday and Kusay Hussein would be killed by special operations forces on July 22nd. And yep. Saddam would be captured many months later on December 13th. So <clears throat> I, I remember the videos of them pulling him out. Yeah. And he looked like a, you know, he looked like an old pizza joint run, you know, operator or something yeah. like that. He was all staggered yeah. and everything fat, you know? Yeah. Those were wild when they were pulling him out. So, and some of those reports of what his sons would do. Were, oh, they were just were pretty nasty. rough. Yeah, they were. They yeah. were. They were. They were bad dudes. But, but at the same time, as you look back and you're like, oh, that was what was holding that whole region in check. You yeah, know? yeah. Even though they were, they were just a horrible regime. But that whole region kind of revolved around that regime. And then you take that out, and I can't remember was he Sunni or was he Shia, Shiite. I, I, yeah, I don't know, man. Whoever he was, the other fact faction just went apeshit on Iraq. Yep. Right? Yeah. Just decimated everything. So, um, I still remember them pulling that statue down, too. Remember the video of them pulling yep. that statue yeah. down? So, yep. 20, 20 years ago. That's crazy. That is cool. Okay. So, Jake, we are, we are, Jet, airplane, and pilot heavy today, right? Three stories all about aviation. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for, for it. Yeah, I know. Right? 
<laughs> they're not that exciting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. You know, I'm a space nerd now, but planes still are what got me into the Air Force, you know? Uh, oh, uh, so, you can't help it, right? Yeah, so, even heavies, and I still to this day will look up anytime something loud is flying over, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, the Well, today is like good news, then bad news, then good news, as the stories go, right? Or good news, yeah. bad news, and then medium news. So uh, this first article uh, came out on March 10th is by Popular Science. And it's why the U.S. military plans to start making its own jet fuel. Now, that sounds pretty cool. We can it make does. Our own that jet article fuel. is pretty cool. It is pretty neat. But it's also pretty pie in the sky, as we'll find out. Uh, the U.S. military is exploring new ways of producing jet fuel synthetically and on site where it needs to be used. They've just announced a contract for as much as $65 million to Air Company. That's kind of a lame name if you're going to get a $65 million contract. <laughs> Air Company. Air Company. Yep. What should we call it? Air Company. Uh, a Brooklyn-based company that has developed a synthetic fuel that doesn't take its starting materials from fossil fuels. So that's good. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, the DOD initiative is called Project Sense. Now, it's, the acronym is spelled S-Y-N-C-E. It's terrible. Uh, and the article even says it clunkily stands for Synthetic Fuel for the Contested Environment. Okay. The building blocks of the fuel from air company involve hydrogen and carbon, and the process demands energy. Stafford Sheehan, the CTO and co-founder of Air Company, said, we start with renewable electricity. That already set the flag off for me. I'm like, renewable electricity? Okay. The electricity is used to split water into hydrogen gas and oxygen gas, so we get green hydrogen. Okay. So far, so good. Uh But fuel requires carbon, too, so the company needs carbon dioxide to get that element. For Project Sense, specifically, we're looking at on-site direct air capture or direct ocean capture technologies to get their carbon. But more generally... AKA turtle tears. What? Right. Nothing but turtle tears. <laughs> you got to verbally abuse sea turtles <laughs> until they cry. Like, what... I, 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 renewable. <laughs> a lot as long of as car- they don't get dehydrated. A lot of carbon in those tears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but more generally, he adds, we capture carbon dioxide from a variety of sources. Turtles could be one of those. Cur- <laughs> currently, their source is CO two. That was a byproduct of biofuel production. Uh, you can actually make jet fuel with our process. It burns cleaner as well, so it has fewer contrails, he says. It will still emit carbon when burned, though. So that I cut out a whole lot of stuff because it goes into how they they pull this carbon off and then they put it in this device, which is a bunch of tubes, and they kind of siphon the carbon away. And I was like, okay, I, I trust you. I trust them that they can figure it out. <laughs> right? uh, for yeah. our audience... Just know that they're going to get carbon locally. 
The project involves a few government entities, including the Air Force and the Defense Innovation Unit. Never heard of them. D-I-U, the Defense Innovation Unit, which acts as a kind of bridge between the military and the commercial sector. So where will they start cooking up this new fuel? Well, Jack Ryan, I know, Jack Ryan, a project (laughs) manager for the DIU, Defense Innovation Unit, said, we plan to pair this technology with the other renewable energy projects at several joint bases, which include solar, geothermal, and nuclear. While we can't share exact locations yet, this project will initially be based in the continental U.S., and then over time, here's the here's the here's the the kicker. Then over time, we expect the decreasing size of the machinery will allow for the system to be modularized and then used in operational settings. Decrease, so they expect okay. the machinery to decrease in size. But when? <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't even made the machinery yet. They haven't right? even made it yet, right? Yeah. Right. No. Uh, so this it 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 may uh, the article kind of what I got out of it is it's still kind of conceptual, right? Yeah. Or, or yeah maybe right. maybe twenty percent conceptual. Maybe they haven't ironed out all the bugs, but they they ironed out enough to get sixty five mil from the government. Yeah. Nikita. Pat Palenko, a program lead at the International Council on Clean Transportation, says that he is excited about the news. It's also likely something that's still quite a ways away, he adds. Air Company is still in the very, very initial stages of commercialization. So that sounds more theoretical now still. Yeah, that sounds like we can do this. Look, it shows it on paper. How are you going to do it? Well, first, I got to hire a bunch of people. (laughs) <laughs> and then I've got to find smart people. You know, I'm like, well, what's we do that? But, but we've we've all heard of many, many government contractors making money by failing. Well, yeah, sure, sure. right. Sure. Like, this sounds amazing. I this would be cool. Just look at the, the look at all the development, all the that one article that had all the rejected airplane designs. Oh yeah, you know these companies built a whole plane. And I'm like, look at this, and they're like, no, thank you. And, I'm like, oh. and they didn't build it out of pocket either. No, that was you, you know they got it, money right? to fail once again. I mean, which is cool. You get a lot of good innovation by doing that, right? True. Um, but you get a lot but, left on the scrap heap. Oh, the scrap heap also. That's the thing. And then you, I mean, you get a lot of companies that are like, "Hey, as long as we propose this, we'll get money, and we show a little bit of progress, we're good." Or you get those situations where, "Hey, this company is really good at developing this one aspect. This company is yeah. really good at developing this other aspect." Uh, and I'm like, "Okay, we're going to award you, but hey, we want to buy your design." So, money to be made. These types of fuels called e-fuels for electrofuels don't come in large amounts nor cheaply. I expect that the economics and the availability are going to be big constraints. Just based off the underlying costs of green hydrogen and CO2, you're probably going to end up with something much more expensive than conventional fuel, and it will be in smaller quantities to begin with. 
providing resiliency to existing fuel supplies and base microgrids. And then we'll grow from there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 65 mil for that proposal. I mean, that'd be awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, the concept is awesome. Imagine if you're in a deployed location, you're like, okay, set up the CO2 screamer and the, uh, uh, the hydro fuel thing, and we can do it all and make our own fuel. No, yeah. I I wish they had kind of gone into uh talking about you know have we fueled up a jet with an electro fuel and it runs just fine, or does the engine have to be modified or you know everything else that's going to come along with that? But pretty cool, pretty cool tech. Uh, yeah, you know if they can get there. Uh. But what I got out of the article is it has to use renewable energy, which has not been perfected, not producing as much to start, and what you are producing is going to be super expensive, and hoping the equipment shrinks so that it can be done in theater, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good enough for me, 65 mil. I, I mean, it, it's a cool idea. It's it's an awesome theory. Um. Yeah, but 65 just going, all right, 65 mil sounds good. Yeah, that's a, that's not even a, that's not even in the billions. Yeah, we can we can yeah, I mean we can shave that off. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately we've had that discussion before about the defense department never passing an audit. No, you know, we no. we were talking about that article. Right. They can't and, even get back like they didn't even dive into the like the super classified stuff. Yeah. They were just trying to audit the sheer number of people, the facilities, and like the resources at those facilities, like aircraft and things like that. They never now, even got that far. Now, interesting before thought. Before they failed. Right. Interesting thought because both of us have been through inspections, right? And mm-hmm. where you just had to have your records had to be spot on. You couldn't have any. Usually, the inspector, if you had something amiss in there they would usually find it they're good military yeah. very efficient that way so two things can happen right if you look and you go hey defense department never passes an audit so you go okay where well, did they make a lot of mistakes and they just kind of effed it up and i was like no way or did they yeah. make a lot of mistakes to muddy the waters or what was it right uh or as a poor bastard who's trying to account for it is like Oh, hey, I selected you a sticky. We moved 100 mil over to this other project. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? We we can barely keep track of printers, right? <laughs> you, we've, we've all gotten that angry email of those poor, <laughs> like, calm accountability guys. Yeah. They're going yeah. around crawling underneath everybody's desk going, this serial number doesn't even match. We don't even <laughs> no. have this serial number. And all, all it was doing was just sitting like, there dude, on the floor. It's like, what happened yeah, to your inventory? I've been using this computer for four years. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> like, that's what the true. heck? Where'd the printer go that was right here? Oh, that's in the other building. It. We moved it. Yeah. They moved it over to this other room over here. You guys didn't tell me. Oh, I know. Um, that's that's a good point. That's true. Was your that's name true. on it? <laughs> I love when they put their name on it. It's like, (laughs) 
this printer belongs to the training shop and it's in the, you know, it's in the eval <laughs> shop and they're like, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have all used a three hole punch or a stapler. That was like property. of. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a prized possession, right? Yeah, exactly. When it's not on the desk, it's supposed to be. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's, I mean, that'll be cool for the future. I'm glad they're thinking of that stuff. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big green guy. Because I still think we're just decades away from that. Uh, yeah. But but at least they did mention nuclear. I don't know how they're going to tap into nuclear. I don't know what bases are nuclear right now. I, I mean, that would be cool, though, you know? Do we have any Air Force bases that are nuclear powered? Oh, I have no idea. I don't either. Yeah. I would, we got a couple of subs and a couple of... <laughs> I know. Just Navy's them, doing right? good at it. Yeah. Well, until they do their study and they're like, oh, nuclear causes cancer. And you're like, oh, yeah. who, who would have thought? Why do all these guys have third nips? <laughs> I don't know. Mystery. It's a mystery that will never be solved. I don't know. Was that in your record? Uh, no? Too bad. No. Nope. Well, that leads, us into, that. that leads us into our second story. Uh, and this, one, this second story is from AP News. So this is serious. Uh, Higher cancer rates have been found in military pilots and ground crews. All right. I want you to listen up, Jake. You weren't a ground crew, though. You were just, uh, um, well, you breathed in all the same stuff. So you're you're right in there, right? I was was a ground crew guy. We were loading um, planes that were. That were idling. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Not really idling, but just, you know, they had the auxiliary power unit. We use that. We use that auxiliary power unit as a yeah. heater a lot of times. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Is that the thing you were telling me about uh that you could crawl into? No, no, no. That's that's the it's like a little it's a smaller engine on a plane that is used to fire up the regular engines. Oh, really? So you you fire up the APU bef- and then it gives you all the electronics and everything like that. And but then it's a running engine, right? It is a basically a running engine, yeah. Okay, so you probably got some of those carcinogens in you. Oh, um, guaranteed. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> the amount of stuff we've already nine anthrax shots and freaking. That's right. <laughs> we were cleaning some of the like the weapons racks and the and the the triple ejection units oh, are Jesus. like. And but they had those shotgun, those powdered charges. Yeah. That would that would force a piston down it and would push the bomb off, right? Okay. Well, as soon as you fire off that percussion charge, it and it looked like a silver shotgun shell. All right. That you would put you'd put in there and you and you'd tighten it down and but you'd have to clean all that stuff out. And so we would literally just yank all that stuff out and we're cleaning out all these pistons and pipes and tubes and little chamber areas and Jesus. you know it it couldn't have been clean oh, I'm like, hey. you, you know well it does yeah. mention solvents in here so oh yeah okay a pentagon study has found high rates of cancer among military pilots and for the first time has shown that ground crews who fuel, maintain, and launch those aircraft are also getting sick. 
The data had long been sought by retired military aviators who have raised alarms for years about the number of air and ground crew members they knew who had cancer. They were told that earlier military studies had found they were not at greater risk than the general U.S. population. Well, yeah, study- but Marty, like that's saying from the insurance company, hey, does this, <laughs> Statistically, do you guys want to pay for this? <laughs> right, no? Right. Okay, fine. We believe you. It doesn't cause cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Neither do cigarettes. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why are you going to ask Congress to investigate Congress? Right. It's the same thing. Well, you're right. But this. You guys find anything? Nope. No. Surprisingly, no. We're good. Okay. You want to vote on that term limits bill? No, I, mm, not yet. Nah. <laughs> Got a really important, uh, I don't know. What, what do we got coming up next, man? I don't know. <laughs> we need to keep the government going, so we need continuity. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Too much big word. Well, it does mention that later. So uh, let's see. Well, I read it now. The study, this study, was required by Congress in the 2021 defense bill. Uh, now, because higher rates were found, the Pentagon must conduct an even bigger review to try to understand why the crews are getting sick. But we'll get to that in a second. In its year-long study of almost 900,000 service members who flew on or worked on military aircraft, now get this, between 1992 and 2017. Why only 1992? Well, it'll, it'll tell you here in a second. The Pentagon found that air crew members had an 87% higher rate of melanoma and a 39% higher rate of thyroid cancer. Men had a 16% higher rate of prostate cancer, and women a 16% higher rate of breast cancer. Overall, the air crews had a 24% higher rate of cancer of all types. Holy shit. (laughs) That's a lot. And that's only only back to 1992, which is what I have the biggest issue with. We'll get to that. The study showed ground crews had a 19% higher rate of brain and nervous system cancers, a 15% higher rate of thyroid cancer, and a 9% higher rate of kidney or renal cancers. Well, oh, that's why I'm fat. That's yeah, the reason the yeah. thyroid can't. <laughs> Shutting down on you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Calling it quits. While women had a 7% higher rate of breast cancer, the overall rate for cancers of all types was 3% higher, and that's for ground crews. Uh, the data compared to service members with the general U.S. population after adjusting for age, sex, and race. The stu- Okay, the study was required by Congress in a 2021 defense bill. But now, because higher rates were found, the Pentagon must conduct an even bigger review to try to understand why the crews are getting sick. So they haven't even done the why part. They just went out and got numbers. Mm. Aviation crews have long asked for the Pentagon to look closely at some of the environmental factors they are exposed to, such as jet fuels and solvents used to clean and maintain jet parts, sensors, and their power sources in aircraft nose cones and the massive radar systems on the decks of the ships they land on. So as they're coming in for landing, they're getting microwaved. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. We uh, we had that incident where 
one of our guys was like, man, it's so hot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It was in, in Alaska in the wintertime. Yeah. He's like, man, it's hot. And I was like talking to my one, it was, it was a loner or two man, right? Like anytime you broke up a three man crew, we would fill it with other people from that other cruise. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we had a loner, a guy that was on loan and he's like, man, it's hot. And I'm like, dude, I think he's got freaking hypothermia or something. He's freaking starting to strip down down here. And I don't know what it was, but he's like, Hey, this freaking pave penny pod is on. Oh, like, no, shit. it's not. We've, we've pulled the pot and I don't know whether it caused anything or whatever, but yeah. we sent him to the clinic immediately after that. And that was, but that's a radar, right? It, it was a bad fuse. Yeah. It was kind of a radar thing. Um, it was a bad fuse. Like, so the fuse in the cockpit looked like it was pulled, but on the inside, the inside had broken and stayed in. Oh shit. So it was on. So it was still on and we were running the power unit. We were firing everything up to yeah. test the, to test the weapons racks. And he's like, man, it's hot. And I'm like, no, it's not, man. He was getting it radiated. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. Jesus. Yeah, we're like, you need to go to the clinic. Like oh, right now. Shit. Did you and the clinic was like, did you cool down? Yeah. All right, here's some Motrin. <laughs> here's some Motrin. <laughs> Put an ice pack on it. Call it a day. Motrin and hydrocortisone, man. That was the uh yeah. that was the clinic's best handouts. Uh, there's still all those <laughs> memes about it, right? Like anything military doctor anything you're allergic to and the military guy's like motrin <laughs> the military doctor's like crying the picture's like oh no what am i gonna do you're in big trouble baby <laughs> i remember i was on uh well we were on tdy uh trying to train up to go to desert storm and we were playing football and i blew my knee up bad right and it, it was so bad that you know Usually when you get hurt like that, you know, you go have a beer or two and you're like, okay, I guess I can walk on it. But it was bad. Yeah. So I went over there and the guy, the deployed medics, I was like, dude, I blew my knee out. And he's like, all right, how many Motrin you want? And they were the big, like 800 milligram ones. The <laughs> yeah. big orange ones. Yeah. He gave me this baggie. Uh, I still have a, a big old bottle in my, oh, in my really? medicine cabinet. <laughs> Just, yeah, man. Don't worry about your liver. Just keep taking that motion, oh, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. And, and he filled that little baggie with a big, like hefty bag, clear hefty bag, just full of 800 oh. milligram motion. I don't know how we got along without it, you know, in wars past, but uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the painkiller of choice. Uh, now, here's the here's the disturbing part. The Pentagon acknowledged that the study had gaps that likely led to an undercount of cancer cases. (laughs) Here it is. The military health system database used in the study did not have reliable cancer data until 1990. How does that happen? 1990? Cancer wasn't a big deal back then. (laughs) So... So it may not have included pilots who flew early generation jets in the prior decades. The study also did not include cancer data from the Department of Veterans Affairs or state cancer registries. 
which means it did not capture cases from former crew members who got sick after leaving the military medical system. Hell yeah, they undercounted those numbers. Yeah. They undercounted those numbers and still got all those higher rates. Yeah. You know what's weird is like melanoma, right? Which is a skin cancer from the sun. Yeah. And and it was for air crews. You're like (laughs) flight crews. Like those guys are inside that airframe. The flight crew is inside the airframe. They're no more exposed than any other person. Average yeah, how day. are they? How are they all of a sudden more susceptible? How are they twenty percent higher at at melanoma? That's uh, part of this article. I, I I cut out, but part of this article was talking to the wife of like a navy captain who flew for you know decades, and she was saying how he would bring his you know his a bag back or whatever from being on mission and throw it in a closet and you could just it just smelled like fuel oh yeah and, yeah. and they had pilots who were like i think it was mostly navy pilots they're like yeah you could drink the water it tasted like fuel and i was like what is yeah. going on with the fuel containment system <laughs> yeah it's getting into everything so hey marty i got the cd the cdc like numbers here for cancer stats yeah, yeah. In 2019, for every, which is the last year it's available, uh-huh. um, for every 100,000 people, 439 new cancer patients were reported, and 146 people died of cancer. Jeez. So For every 100,000? For every 100,000. So if the military is 24% higher... Yeah, uh, that's basically, I don't know, quick, quick ridiculous public math, 470 then new cases for the military and 170 people died of cancer from the military. And, I, and that's, and then that's just adding yeah. ridiculous. Like yeah. When they're comparing it to 20%. the general populace. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Says the second phase of the study will try to isolate causes. Oh, good. The 2021 bill requires the Defense Department not only to identify the carcinogenic toxicants or hazardous materials associated with military flight operations, but also determine the type of aircraft and locations where diagnosed crews served. So, okay, it it it's amazing that they they commissioned this survey, and basically all they did was go out and get numbers but they didn't get them from the va uh they they didn't get them before 1990 i mean how you could do the study in a weekend couldn't you <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really have to dig for anything it's just right there they're like oh we only have to go yeah. back to 1990 oh that's easy we'll have it to you by friday so yeah. and then, you know all the undercount stuff i mean the the whole fact that they didn't count people who got cancer after they left. So I assume these are oh, just yeah. people who got cancer while they were in? Or under the did they not under, or under the under care. care? Right. Under the care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you got uh, a subsequent exit the military and then subsequent cancer diagnosis. And I guess they're saying they didn't count those numbers. Holy shit, that's yeah, undercounted. Know. Those percentages yeah, should be higher. 
Oh, that's terrible news, man. That's terrible news. But at least they're looking at it now. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that cancer rate among flyers, right? So like we talked about, hey, I look up every time I see the jet, and now I go, oh, I wonder when they're going to get cancer. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guys. Jeez. I, I wonder, like, there was a while ago that I read an article about people who are frequent flyers. Like on commercial yeah. planes, yeah, we're getting yeah. cancer more often than non-frequent flyers. No way. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I'll have to look it up and, and send it to you uh, again, but it was something about that. Where's the one part of this article? Oh, there was some good news reported. Both ground and air crews had far lower rates of lung cancer and air crews also had lower rates of bladder and colon cancers. Yeah. Oh, so there good you go. for you. You guys are good. Yeah. Which, lung cancer, which is, you would think that would be at the top of the list, right? I mean, breathing exhaust in. Oh, yeah. Solvents exhaust or everything else, right? Stuff, but yeah. Yeah, that's what they said, lower rates. So, all right. So that's the bad news story. Okay. Um, okay. Here's the... Maybe good news. Good news for for one sex, at least, anyway. Yeah. So from military.com, female Air Force pilots would be able to safely pee in flight during long missions with this new technology being tested. Nice. Which, as we read through this, just keeping your back of your mind is like, we just thought about doing this? It's just... Yeah, exactly. I mean, anybody who's been on a long we, road trip, we've got to be female Blue Angel pilots. We've got female, right? Like right. the commander of the of the Thunderbirds was a freaking. Oh, that's right. Female, yeah, like yeah. all that stuff, like that A ten um, pilots, like the the fact that we're just now like, like, hey, maybe this is a problem we need to solve. <laughs> like it's ridiculous what is what are they doing like the are they pretending they're the lady from nasa driving across this all the states or something like, I don't know. Like, oh, yeah that crazy <laughs> woman god i forgot about her remember she was like she was peeing in jars and stuff wasn't she she, she was depending it oh no she yeah she had yeah uh, she was did like, she have a catheter in, or was she diapers? No, she was adult diaper. I, no. The word on the street was adult diaper, and I she was like, all about that story. Yeah. This guy's cheating on me. I'm gonna <laughs> get him. She drove to like from Florida to freaking I don't know Wyoming or some crap like that, like Texas. Right, run, right, right. One <laughs> run, just straight, just peeing in the nothing, seat. nothing but meth and. <laughs> Kissing of the pants or whatever. What what do they get? The Adderall. Nothing but legal. Oh, meth. Adderall, yeah. Adderall, sorry. Yeah, legal meth. Adderall. Oh my and god. Pee in your pants. Just <laughs> well, she should have been, she could have been a good input into this uh new technology here. So. Yeah, was, we should get an interview with her. I'm sure she'll come <laughs> on. Isn't she in prison? Is she gonna Probably. Jail? <laughs> <laughs> so literally she's a captive audience marty she's All just waiting like she's waiting like uh hannibal lecter man just waiting to tell her story 
Oh, somebody come and ask commissary and we're good <laughs> if you don't mind interviewing <laughs> her in a diaper then have at it yeah we get there we're like hey we're just like you we drop trial with our <laughs> fancy gray depends that look like man panties now like, oh, this is yeah. the new design can look you believe how far we've come and you are the innovator Look what you did. You're great. You and your crazy ass. <laughs> she keyed the shit out of his car or something. <laughs> they drove back. Got them so good. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh pilots, pilots at an Air Force base in North Carolina are the first one to try out a new system that would make it easier for female aviators to urinate during long flights. A long-standing issue for women in the service has been not having a practical or safe way to relieve themselves, often having to rely on dehydration, diapers, or simply holding their urine during training or a mission. Holding in urine for extended periods of time can lead to a variety of health complications, ranging from headaches, infections, and an overall weakening of the bladder muscles. Uh, the fourth fighter wing said in a press release, uh, holding it in can cause fatal errors and health issues, such as lowering the air crew's ability to withstand high G-forces by 50% uh, and increases headaches. What? I, I, that's interesting that it would lower their G-forces, but could you imagine that G that well, G-suit? It's just see, like, oh, so, I got beat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like It'll lower the G-forces because you're concentrating... Yeah, I'm getting right. bladder crushed and not trying to pee your pants. Uh, like, that's right. sensitive electronics in there. You don't want to be hosing water everywhere. <laughs> Come on, man. It's <laughs> a scientific term, buddy. You gotta have the inside wipers. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with science. Uh but female pilots at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in Goldsboro, North Carolina, are are ground testing a new bladder relief method. The system, called Aris A I R U S Aris, by Arian Health. Again, these names are uh, Arian Health. We'll call it Aris. It's almost our name. Wait. Was awarded Wait. a prototype contract. Prototype contract by the Air Force last year. It uses a cup liner. This is this is beautiful language. It uses a cup liner that is docked to the body and worn under the pilot's underwear. A pumping system then pulls the liquid away from the flight suit and doesn't require oh, pilots no. to remove their harness. Docked. Docked. Uh, even. Docked. <laughs> Prior bladder relief equipment was designed with male physiology in mind. As women began entering aviation and combat roles, the technology needed to be modified. Therefore, started soliciting contracts and ideas on how to improve their systems in 2020. The guys use what is commonly referred to as a piddle pack. It's either like those condom catheters where it just kind of slides over. On the outside. Or, yeah. yeah, on the outside. Or it's like a, a bag you kind of just smush your your jennies into and let it go you know the science again jennies 
Um, yeah, I'm glad you're here to explain these technical terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a graph here. I'll send you the graph. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's literally like pre-position in boxer briefs kind of thing. And you're like, okay, just in case, this is yeah. what I'm going to do. I would think, though, also, can you imagine how uncomfortable something like this oh, God, would yeah. be for, for female pilots? Like, Absolutely. Right. The docking situation. So you got a cup like, there, right? Or, you, or basically, yeah. I mean, we we discussed the Shiwi last time. The Shiwi. Basically, yeah, it's a very nice, classy <laughs> thing. I'm sure it works like a champ. Um, very. That's, My wife I mean, says not, it's, it sprays all over the place. So, oh, I like how she's blaming it on that. And yeah, not well, taping yeah. it. Taking accountability. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not pointing fingers, but we do have a man in the field right now who is field testing numerous of these options. Yeah, and we'll see how that um, uh, that docking situation yeah. works for Eric when he gets back. Mostly so. from lounge chairs on the beach, but, <laughs> you know. Since he hasn't gotten up from the beach in a day and a half. Yeah. He's looking like that lady, the neighbor from something about Mary right now, just pruned <laughs> up. Just, up. Just, just she-wee yeah. bag stacked up next to his lounge chair. Just a pile of them, like a beautiful glistening pyramid. <laughs> Yelling at his poor wife. Woman, more lotion. <laughs> Yeah, you treat that woman with more respect than that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we look forward to that report. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It is interesting because um, they say one of the popular current methods used by pilots. Now, I assume this is in the cockpit. All right. One of the popular current methods used by pilots requires them to unstrap from the harness and gear, which can take nearly an hour to urinate into a bag collection system. Maybe that's that piddle pack. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. According according to the press release, and can be unsafe in the case of a sudden in-flight emergency. In 1992, an American F-16 crashed after the fighter pilot was forced to eject when he lost control of the aircraft while trying to take a piss. <laughs> I mean, I have, of course, on long road trips, balanced that Gatorade bottle Oh, right, Gatorade, man, they have the good wide mouth. That's right, but you still got to yeah. elevate a little bit off the seat, or at least I do. Maybe, maybe longer men don't have to, but you well, still got to elevate a little bit, relieving uh, pressure off the old prostate yes. for you, right there. Yeah. And it's a it's a tenuous drive. That that uh, that <laughs> two miles of road is pretty scary, right? Well, I can only they imagine say that texting is dangerous. <laughs> no, try taking a piss in the I've middle of the night. A, I've never <laughs> seen a government sign saying, "Please don't pee in a Gatorade <laughs> bottle for your own safety. Your family cares." Zip it up. Keep us safe. <laughs> <laughs> Just now, pull over. Now Just I can Im- I can imagine that poor son of a bitch in the F sixteen trying to get a yeah, little elevation man. out of that yeah. fighter seat. Oh. God damn. That yeah. sticks is right there in, in the way? 
can't balance the Gatorade bottle against that. Yeah. Oh my God. So well, <laughs> help us on the, the Gatorade bottle <laughs> against the stick. <laughs> uh control, hold on a second. <laughs> and you and you know for a fact we have zero of these details correct. No, uh, right? Like, oh, there's not nothing right here. I don't know. I'm sure we're probably about 45 minutes. <laughs> Other than peeing pants is correct. <laughs> well, help is on the way, ladies. Help is on the way. So, so that's a good, that's good, bad, good in aviation this week. There you go. I feel better about uh, our flying forces. Yeah, score one for the old matriarchy. We're good. <laughs> anything left? We got anything left? Should we close it out? Yeah, man. Let's call it a day. End up. <laughs> you were waiting for it. <laughs> I almost forgot it. <laughs> I was hoping you would. <laughs> Eric, uh, I hope that brings a smile to your face. Uh, on behalf of Jake and I, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Please like, share, subscribe, and let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. Just just a little shout out for Eric. Hey, uh, just for future reference, send the chafing pictures just to Marty. He's the leader of this whole group. I don't need any of that stuff. Wait till I start the website. Those are going up. And you... And you can't unsee things. No. Let me tell you. Well, Eric's out there in his sweater with the shiwi, and we hope to have his report soon. Looking forward to it. Get by safe, Eric, and all those listening. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.